Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. And they had this hall, but it was run down. So what we did is we did it up a bit. We put curtains there, we repainted it, and we started having our meetings at this particular school. And of course, 80% of it were the school kids, but then people slowly kept coming in. Uh, Then we ended up, uh, cutting a long story short, opening a church in the city. Uh, So then we had virtually two churches. We had the one at the school, and then we had one at the city. Because you've got to remember, there's a distance between them, and not many people have cars over there. They normally walk. Uh, Then we uh, decided that we would make some sort of income for a lot of people because there were so so many were unemployed and they were getting into trouble. They they had nothing to do, 80% unemployment rate. So we ended up talking to the chief and he gave us 132 acres of land for nothing. And, you know, we couldn't believe it, you know, and so we thought, oh, well, thank you, Lord. So we went to that land, but of course it was all desolate land, and uh, we decided we'd, we'd have a chicken farm. So we built a building for a chicken farm, and we built a shed to store stuff in. Then what happened then was they, they had a bit of a drought. We decided we needed water there, uh, and somebody generally donated uh, the money to put a ball right the way down. We had to go 90 metres to hit water, but it's good water. I think we hit water at about 60 metres, but it wasn't good. But then when we went to 90... Now, the person that gave us the land, who was a chief, lovely man, he was surprised that we got water. So this place that looks like the desert in the middle of summer, or should I say the dry, and now it's got water. So... Uh, Then what we did then is we built a big sort of roof thing. You've seen the picture of it up here. We've showed it. And we've started a church there because it's basically in the middle of nowhere. The road that you get to it is all dirt. It's a terrible road. And we actually planted a church. Now, there were some people there that just didn't know anything about Jesus, but some people did. And we planted the church there, and you, you, you would not believe, you would not believe, like Josh did an altar call, and I think everybody put their hand up. Now, we don't know how many got saved, how many give their life to Jesus, but we know that they all put their hand up. And it, it sort of, it just feels good inside to know that you, 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 you're doing something, and you think of all these people you, you, you know, and gee, the African people are just lovely people, you know. They're the most lovely people. And I'll start on my sermon now. And, and, and you think, you, you can focus on one child, you know. You, you look at a child, you know, and I look at a child, he might be four years old, and I look at that child in the, in the middle of the desert, and I thought, I don't know who's gone to hell here before, but I know that that little four-year-old child's going to get the gospel. I know that four-year-old child's going to have a choice 
to accept Jesus. I know that that four little year old child has got more chance of going to heaven now than what he did before we came. And, and you, you see the people lifting their hands to Jesus and, and you think, you know, if it wasn't for grace life, that wouldn't happen. I look at the church at the school, I look at the church in the city, I look at the church in the middle of the bush, in the middle of the desert or whatever you call it, nowhere. And I look at all them people that, 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 that go there and I think, six years ago we were only talking about this, we, you, you know, we were going to have a chicken farm, now we've got a school there. In the middle of nowhere we've got a school and we, they, we're teaching the kids that can't even speak English, how to speak English, how to add up, arithmetic. And I'm thinking, oh, it's great to be heading in the right direction. It's great to be heading in that direction, you know. It's great to be in the will of God. It, 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 it feels as if one day, like one day we're all going to go to heaven, well, most of you are anyway, and, and one day you're going to think, wow, we gave it our best shot. We gave it up. You know, you're going to get to heaven one day, and uh, I don't want to be one of them that gets to heaven, and there will be people and think, oh, I wish I had done more when I was down there. And after I've been there for about a million years, I'll be thinking, oh, I was down on earth for about 100 years. I wish I had done a bit more. I don't want that regret. I don't want to, like, uh, 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 talking about myself, I make a lot of mistakes, probably more mistakes than most people. But you give it your best shot and you say, well, I'm going to give it my best shot while I'm here. Because when we get to heaven, we can praise the Lord. We can, we can have an absolute great time with Jesus. We can't evangelize. You can't evangelize. We can't go to the mission field. If you're going to do that, you have to do that now. You have to do that now. You know, at the end of the day, like, uh, I can remember when COVID was here, the shop shut here, shop shut here, shop shut, not open for business. No. You know, Jesus is open for business 27, 24-7. He's always open for business. No matter where you are, no matter COVID or anything, he's always open for business. This is the time of business. This is the time of business right now. While we're on this earth, the time of business. We've got some great pictures that I'm going to show you shortly. Let's have the pictures up now. Can we, can we put the pictures up now and I'll just run over this? Okay, now there's the team. Someone's got their head cut off. Uh, they don't have me there. It's probably that's a good call. But they've got everybody there except me. Now, if you have a look, we had a team of six right at the back, right? There's Trevor, there's Josh in the middle. There's Vera, the pastor's wife. There's Karen. There's Perio. I I, and, of course, uh, I don't know what... Maddie, I don't know what happened to Maddie. I think she's been cut off too. But anyway, uh, there were six of us that went. Now, they ranged in age to myself and Perio. You know, now when you go on one of these mission fields, there, there is an age limit, uh, there is a health limit too. You've got to be able to breathe, and you've got to be under a hundred, and then you're allowed to come. You know, the uh, now 
Perio preached for her first time. For the first time she ever preached. Karen preached for the first time. When you go on the mission field, you pre- when you go on a mission field with me, you, you're not going for a holy holiday. You're going there to work. You're going there to preach. You're going there to lay hands on the sick. You, 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 you know, we're, we're all equal there. There's no bosses. And we're all doing the thing. We have a schedule. And, and that, that's, that's what you... Oh, yeah, here she is preaching, preaching up a storm. First time ever. Been to the church for I don't know how many years, as long as I can remember. But this time, I said, you're going to preach. She goes, oh, oh, oh. Once she got up there, she was fantastic. She was fantastic. Next picture. Can we have the next picture? Oh, look at this. These people are so happy. They are so happy. They are so happy, you know, just little, look, they live in huts and they, they get dressed up to come and that's probably the only clothes they got, most of them. Some of these we came from Livingston into the bush, but a lot of them are just there. They all know how to dance. Okay, look at that. They're having a ball. I think they practiced that. Next picture. Look at this. That's a new praise team. Yeah. Where's Now we had ladies' meetings, and, and Karen, Perio, and Maddie, they took the ladies' meetings for a whole week. Now the ladies get a bit left out over there, and uh, we decided that we're going to take them all on a, on a picnic in, the, in the, this resort, and we took them for this picnic, and they'd never been on anything like that before. We were told they were never been on anything like that. And we gave them a barbecue. We blessed them and they were dancing and they were jumping up. They thought it was Christmas. I'll tell you what, the, these three girls, Peria, Karen and Maddie, they did an absolute fantastic job. They're the, the three great women of God. They Karen organized it. They put it together. I said to Karen, I said, Karen, you got ladies' meetings for a week. You organize it. There's your budget. You do it. You make sure that, that Perio and Maddie do heaps of preaching because they've never done it before. You can help them with a the sermon. And I'll tell you what, they did a fantastic. The women were crying when they left. They wanted these three to stay there. Well, I don't think they've. They, they wanted to stay there, but they, they were worn out in the end, but they did a fantastic job, you know. Can I have the next picture? Oh, is that all? Oh, here we are. Now, that was actually in the church in Livingston, in the city of Livingston. And uh, we had a service, and they, they, most of them were saved, 
and uh, that most of them were Christians, but we did have a few people that were dragged in there, you know, that got saved. And uh, it, it, it was just a joy to see, you know. Like, you, you go through these meetings, you look at the people, you know, and you're sort of like, like I'm a big, tough bloke. Well, I think I am. But you're holding back tears, you know. You, 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 your heart just goes and you think, oh, Lord, it's just great to see this. It's great to see people just pouring out their heart for the Lord, and it's great. Now, the, the heading of my message today is, why do we go to the mission field? Why do we go there? Why do we do what we do? You know, like we could go for a holiday to Bali or to, to Thailand or to the Bahamas or anything. Why do we choose to go to the mission field? Why do we choose to get that long trip there? Why do we choose to put, spend all our money on the mission field? Why do you do it? What's inside that makes you do it? I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It, it's, it's what we call the Great Commission. Now, my father, when he passed away... He gave me some instructions. He said, no, 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 son. He said, this is what I want you to do. Like he, I don't think he knew that he was going to pass away, but, but this is probably maybe a week or so before he, he, he passed away. And he, gave me, he said, now make sure this, make sure that. I said, yeah, okay. Now my mother-in-law, she was a great lady, probably the best cook I ever met in my life. And I, I spoke to her, just me and Pam, and she gave me two instructions before she passed away. Now, now, their instructions for the person that passes away are the most important things. If you're going to pass away, you give the most important instructions out, you know. On your deathbed, you're leaving. This is the most important. I want you to do this. When you talk to people you love and you know you're going to pass away, I'll have some advice for my children. I know what I'm going to say to my children. Well, I will know then what I'm going to say. So just before Jesus left this earth, what did he say? He said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Make disciples of all nations. That's what he said. That was the great commission. It was a command. It wasn't a request. It was a command. So to answer my question, why do we go to the mission field? Why do, now, Ali gave a fantastic scripture. When she just said that scripture this morning, I thought, oh Lord, that is just... You know how some scriptures just make you all tingle inside? Well, when, when, when Ali said that, it, it gave me the tingle inside. I said, well, that's nearly my favorite. You know what my favorite scripture is? My favorite scripture is, How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those that fetch the good news. Well, my feet don't look that beautiful, you know. Karen's feet, you know, and, uh, you know, all their feet, you know. That, uh, but you know what it means. You know what it means. How beautiful are the feet of that, that fetch the good news. Am I answering the question? This is why we go to the mission field. You know, okay, I'll get real blunt now. In the Bible, it talks about hell nearly 500 times. Nearly 500 times it talks about it. Now, Jesus spoke about hell nearly 300 times. 
He speaks about heaven. Heaven is spoke to less than three of times. Hell is spoke to more than twice as what heaven's told to. Go and tell them. How many times did Jesus or in the Bible say, go and tell them? Like, you, 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 look, at, you look at Jonah. Okay, you got the Assyrians, the Ninevites, or whatever you call them, and they're, they're running amok, and he sends Jonah to these despicable people to, to warn them. Why did God, why? Because God loved them people, because they hadn't heard the gospel in Nineveh. They hadn't heard it. So, so, so God went to all the trouble to send Jonah. It even says that them people will be judging the Jews. This generation will judge this generation. And these are the people that used to torture people. They used to do all sorts of terrible things. But God loved them. God loved them. God loves people. He loves people. God loves them people in the middle of the bush. God loves them people in Livingston. So what does he do? God talks to a person called George Bushme, which leads it to Patrick, which leads it to me, which leads it to Josh, and say, come on, Josh, let's go over there. We send Pat-. And, then, and then you get people that get, get involved, you know, that really get involved, like Garfield Sobers and, and Sue, and you get some people, and, and they all put all the pieces together. They put the pieces together, and what do we achieve? We achieve a, pe- a place out there where... where I don't know how many people are getting saved. Uh, I, I know they're getting set free. I know, I know, I know teach my sheep. Well, I know they're getting taught. They're getting taught. Answer my question. My first question. Why do we go to the mission field? Why do we go to the mission field? And I'll revert to back what I said before. Hell is very real. I've, I've heard... I've heard people say, I don't believe in hell. I said, well, it says it in the Bible nearly 500 times. I can tell you, it is really, really, really real. That's why we go to the mission field. We want to avoid these people going to hell. We want to avoid the people going to hell here. Now, of course, everybody has their ministry. Not everybody can go to the mission field. I know that. You, you might not have the, 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 the resources to go. Uh, you might be tied up. and so. Not everybody can go, but some people can go. And don't think, oh, well, I'm not special. Everybody is special. Everybody has a gift. Six people went. Everybody got used equally. Equally. You don't leave it all to Josh. Don't leave it all to me. Everybody gets used equally. The girls, the girls were the shining light there. The girls were the shining light. They did a fantastic job. And they didn't know it before they went there. But God used them. You could feel we all got sick. I'm still I've still got a crooked stomach. There's a price you pay for it. Don't think I've heard people say, Oh, it must be the Lord, because everything's gone well. I'm thinking, is that right? It doesn't happen like that for me. But then again, I've heard people say, oh, it's all gone bad. So, so the enemy's you know, attacking us. Well, the, 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 there's a certain amount of truth in that, I suppose. But I find that it's a bit each way, you, you know, a bit this way. Sometimes it goes right, sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes, but, you, you know, you've only got to have a look at Paul. You know, you don't reckon he had a few problems. Okay, I'll start my sermon now. <laughs> 
Okay, that was the last thing that Jesus said. And you've got to say, why was Jesus so adamant? He was so adamant about hell. I'll tell you what. I think I've flogged a dead horse here, but I've, I've, said it, I've said it that many times, you know what I mean? But uh, we're going to have to skip all this because I've sort of, uh, I've sort of don't have times. People are scared of making mistakes. People think, I've heard people say to, I, I had one person say to me just a little while ago in the other church, oh, I really, really, really want to go to the mission field. I really want to go. I really want to go to Africa, but I've got to be led. I says, Really? It's got to be a God thing, not a me thing. I says, really? You know, God's got to tell me to go there. I said, oh, really? Read Matthew 28, 18. Read Mark 16, 15. It tells you to go. Go into the world. If God shuts the door, he shuts the door. I remember once I was going to go, I'd organized, it was 1993. Me and a friend of mine, Bob Vardy, organized a crusade to go to Pakistan, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's pretty bad. And anyway, God shut the door. I won't go into great details, but God shut the door. And so we didn't go. A week later, there was a riot. And I thought, oh. So God shuts the door. God shut the door on Paul. The Holy Spirit told us not to go. So you, 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 you go, and if God shuts the door, you don't go, obviously. And, and so sometimes you, you can get sort of, uh, you can get tied up with a lot of, I call it religious jargon, you know what I mean? It's sort of, uh, it's sort of, uh, Maybe I'm talking out of line now, but you know what? Okay, what, what keeps people out of the kingdom of God? I'll, I'll, I'll go straight to this. What keeps people... Now, I'm going to upset some people here now. What keeps people out of the kingdom of the God? I'll tell you what. The lack of integrity of Christians quite often can keep people out of the kingdom of God. People say, well, Satan keeps them out of the kingdom of God. Of course he does. Yes, Satan does. Satan... Okay... Satan's very cunning, you know. He's been around a lot of years. And he might think, uh, okay, well, we're not going to get these people to devil worship. That's why they got the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's why they got the Mormons. That's why they got the cults. Okay, we'll take them three quarters there, but we'll, we'll direct them to these directions just to keep them out of heaven. You know, Satan wants people to go to hell. Absolutely, you know what I mean? God wants them to go to heaven. There's a spiritual war that goes all the time. There's always a war. There's a war. There's a war for your soul. They're fighting for your soul, fighting for your spirit. You either go to heaven or your hell, and there's a big war going on all the time. So that's why I'm saying, what keeps people out of the kingdom of God? I'll tell you what keeps people out of the kingdom of God too. This is where I upset people. You get some people that walk around, you know, and you really just can't get any sense out of them. They go, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. And, you know, they can walk around like that all day. And, and I, I speak to some of them, and, and 
I'm thinking, I'm not getting anywhere here, you know. I, I, I find it very hard to have a conversation, you know what I mean? Then they're jumping up and everything is spiritualized, you know what I mean? They go to buy a shirt, you know, and I like this one and I like that one. And they say, oh, Lord, do I buy this one or do I buy that one? You know, they're that spiritual. Like, he's your father, not your mother. And it's sort of, we we have a free will to do a lot of things. You know, we don't spiritualize every minute of every day. You know what I mean? Like, I I like watching the football. I like watching North Melbourne win, which isn't very often. But mind you, they're doing better than the Eagles. But anyway... I told you I'd upset some people here. Okay. Gee, I don't have much time left, have I? Okay. It's up to us. It's up to us. Look, whether it's here or whether it's in the mission field or Africa or no matter where it is, it's up to us. You know, it's our job. You know... The only Jesus that the world is going to see, the only Jesus the world is going to see, is you. Look, I, I, I think we're probably all saved here. We're all Christians. If we're not, I would strongly suggest to make the best decision in your life, except Jesus is your saviour. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The greatest decision you could possibly make is to accept Jesus as his saviour and this is not an altar call I'm just telling you this I'm sitting I'm sidetracking here I'm sitting on my veranda or my balcony on my house I live in Bindoon in the company and I'm sitting here and I got this beautiful view and there's sheep paddocks and there's everything and me and Josh are sending text messages to each other we normally are especially when the eagles lose and anyway and, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm praying and I'm preparing for today. You know, not that I've, no, you know, could have saved my time, couldn't I? And anyway, I'm saying there is nothing greater than sitting here on this veranda, drinking a warm cup of tea and living a life for Jesus. There's nothing greater than living. A, the most exciting thing in the world is to live a life with Jesus, and you don't get there in five minutes. Once you're faithful down the track, and you're faithful, and you step out, and you go to un- uncharted territory, and there's a lot of people here that have done that. I can point my finger at quite a few people that have done that. I'll tell you what, there is nothing better, nothing better. Someone said to me once, it was at a wholesale, what's it like to be a Christian, Tom? Oh, how long have you got? And I said, what's it like to taste rock melon? And they go, oh, well, it tastes good. I like rock melon. I said, it tastes beautiful, doesn't it? I said, but try and explain it. They said, well, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty hard to explain what it tastes. If it tastes good, it's pretty hard to... I said, well, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. My first question, why do we go to the mission field? Why do we go to the mission field? I'll tell you why we go to the mission field, because 
Christ lives in us. That's why. Jesus goes to the mission field. We go to the mission field. Paul goes to the mission field through the Holy Spirit. We go to the mission field through the Holy Spirit. You know, We're obeying our Lord. And I'll tell you what, enjoying every minute of it, you know, it is all worth it. One day, we're going to be pushing up daisies. One day, we're going to meet Jesus one day. And, you know, I, 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 I want Jesus, I want God to say to me, oh, Tom, you made a lot of mistakes, but you gave it your best shot. I remember when I first started going to the mission field in 1989, uh, we did this rally, we tried this, we tra- made a lot of mistakes, but a lot of people got saved. So sometimes, I've learned the hard way, sometimes we just got to do it. We've got to say, Lord, you're going to have to direct us. I'll tell you a story. In 19, there, there, was, there was a war in, uh, between the Karen and the Burmese in 19... 19- 89. Ah, no, sorry. Sorry. 1992. And we heard this story that all these kids, and and they had nowhere to eat, or he said to me, I forget, go there, we have to open the orphanage, we have to push people. And and the the, the Burmese army, they're terrible. They're terrible. They'll pay the price for it one day. Some of the things they do to the Koran and to the Burmese... Anyway, we went over there and we rented a house. It cost us, I think it was $27 American a month. And we got all these kids, we got a man to look after it, and we got all these kids, there was 40 of them all, and we put them in there. And, and after a few years, uh, uh, or, I don't know, four or five years, another mob took them over. They were Baptist church and they were fantastic, believe me. They were from America, they were, they were fantastic. They took it over and we, we went uh, a different direction. We, we started doing missions work in other directions. We didn't know what we were doing. Now, initially, we went to Bob's pastor and, and we said to their, oh, can we go there? We're, we're thinking about that. We want a coverage, we want to be covered. And he said, okay, you've got to go to evangelism, you've got to go to missions training school for 18 months, 18 months, and we'll cover you. I thought, 18 months, they'll all be dead. They'll starve to death in the next two months, no matter about 18 months. Anyway, we went to Bob Stevenson. I said, well, come to my pastor. We'll go under the covering of the AOG. Went to Bob Stevenson. I hadn't finished. I'd only got halfway through the sentence. And Bob says, go for it, go for it, go for it. How much money do you want? I said, well, you know, we don't really want money. He said, go on, I'll back you all the way. I'll back you all the way. So we went over there and, and we did what we had to do. Now, I was in Thailand about five years ago and this guy comes up to me about 40. He says, oh, Pastor Tom. I said, oh, hello. He says, remember me? I said, oh, oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, I was one of them kids in that orphanage. I said, oh, okay, what are you doing now? Oh, I work for the government. I do this, I do this, I do this. I said, oh, what happened to the rest of Oh, one went up north and ended up starting a church. And he's got over 300 there. We taught him all English. One was manager of a hotel. One did this, one did And he said to me, he said, none of them are lost. They're all walking with Jesus. 
And I, honestly, I just, it just did something. And I thought, a couple of guys that don't know what they're doing that made all these mistakes, but at least we went. At least we went. And we're not special. I'm not special. I'm not, I'm not a special talker or anything. I was four years old before I started talking. I had to learn to talk as, as a child. You, you know, uh, I had all these impediments in speech, and they thought I'd never talk, but I ended up, I ended up talking. When I had to go to elocution, the rain in Spain falls. But God can use a donkey. He can use me. He can use all of us. You, you know, God gives us love. I'm finishing the cross. Why do we want to obey Jesus? What has he done for us? I'll tell you what he's done for us. The, 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 this is where the altar call comes. They flogged him. They put him on a cross. They mocked him. A crown of thorns on his head. The blood flowed. They spat on him. That's my saviour. They spat on him. They made him carry his own cross and humility. They offered him wine, gold, as a king. You're the king of the Jews. That, 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 that was an insult, you know. He's the wine, you know, king, king, of the, king of the Jews. Sign on the cross, king of the Jews. Crucified with two thieves. As if to say, you're level with these two thieves. But it backfired. Because one of them thieves went to glory. One of them thieves went to glory. He said, when you, when you go to paradise, remember me. And Jesus said, before this day is through, you will be in paradise with me. I find that absolutely mind-blowing. He acknowledged that Jesus was the Lord and Savior. Now that's all we got to do here. You acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Jesus, remember me. That's all you got to say. The same as what the thief said. And then you've got to walk with him. You don't turn your back on him. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.